0: This is the Purpose Church podcast. We exist to help every person live on purpose. It is our prayer that this message helps you experience God in a brand new way. Greater you, Lord. Come on. It's your breath. We thank you, Lord. That was some rich worship could stay there for another hour, but we're going to be respectful of everybody's time. Good morning. Good morning, TPC. I'll try it again. Good morning, TPC. Good morning. Amen. Good morning. I am so happy to be in the house of the Lord with you this morning. For those of you I haven't had a chance to meet, my name is Tia Lambright, and along with my husband, Russell, and our three beautiful boys, we are proud and faithful members of TPC. And so, uh, Pastors Landon and Pastors Kelly had to be away this morning, and they gave me this amazing opportunity to speak life over you today. And I'm excited about it. Are you excited? You should be excited about what God's going to say to us today. Um, I think it's an important moment just to kind of start off with a commitment uh, to being focused on what God has for us today. And so before we dive in, I want to take just a moment to welcome our first-time visitors. Can we give it up for our first-timers? All right. If this is your first time, I promise we won't do anything too weird. We're not going to make you stand and do a jig or sing or anything like that. What we are going to ask you to do is when you walked into the worship center... You were provided with a worship guide, and inside of that is a connection card. So sometime between now and the end of the service, if you would please um, fill that card out and either give it back to the person that gave it to you or otherwise drop it in the bucket so that we can connect with you. The word connect is going to be important today. So I'm just going to ask you to do that before you leave here today. And we are on week three of our series about being closer to God. Everybody say closer. Closer. Say it again. Closer. Closer. All right. We've been talking about spiritual disciplines that help us get closer to God. And on week one, Pastor Landon talked with us about reverence and prayer and scripture and the importance of those things as scriptural disciplines. In uh, week two, Pastor Kelly talked with us about fasting and meditation. And I, again, have the awesome opportunity to close us out in this series about getting closer to God with connection to people as a spiritual discipline. Some of y'all are like, I didn't see connection to people in the Bible. I promise, if you go with me, if you go with me, we're gonna see it there. We're gonna see it there. And just to be clear, I'll just start off our conversation in the interest of full transparency. As an extrovert, when I hear the, the, the concept or the idea of people, I get excited. People, people, people. Yes, people everywhere, especially God's people. That sounds super great. But I am married to an introvert so I know that there are some of y'all who are like, mm, I don't know if she's hearing from God this morning. I promise you, I am. And this message is for you as well. Here's the thing about discipline, spiritual discipline in particular. And we've talked about this scripture every week along and along. Hebrews 12, 11 tells us that no discipline is enjoyable while it's happening. It's painful. But afterward, there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. So if you're like me or like Russell, just know that the work, the spiritual discipline of all the things that we've been talking about over the past three weeks are going to make a difference in your life if you'll stay the course. It's going to be work, but it'll be worth it. Amen? All right. So Pastor Landon told us in week one... That Christianity without spiritual discipline isn't Christianity at all, but it's entertainment and emotional help wearing a God-like mask. Ouch and amen. Christianity without spiritual discipline isn't Christianity at all, but it's entertainment and emotional help wearing a God-like mask. Our prayer for you today and over these past three weeks, and even as we are looking into the rest of this year, is that we can put down the mask so that we can be more than just entertained. We want to take deliberate and purposeful steps towards the Lord. We want to move closer. So let's pray. Lord, right now we ask that you would help us to stay focused on you, that we would eliminate any distractions, any barriers, anything that would come between us, And what you have for us here today, God, that we desperately want to be closer to you. And we want to hear your words and your voice and your heart towards us in that endeavor. We thank you, God, because we know that you've come to be with us here in this moment. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so the first thing that we want to kind of start our discussion off with is a closer value. And the reason why starting with values is important, because we know that before we can change anything on the outside, we've got to work on what's inside, in our minds, right? So our closer value is that to get closer to God, we have to get closer to God's people. P.S., this has always been a part of God's plan, because it's impossible to live a life fully in Christ without life-giving, genuine relationships that hold you up, sharpen you, strengthen you, and help you. I talk for a living, so I say a lot of words, sometimes too many. <laughs> but the, the stripped-down version of it is, in other words, getting closer to God requires connection. Getting closer to God requires connection. So by all accounts, it's a team sport. All right, any sports fans in the room? Whoop, whoop. All right, I'm a big big football fan. And so for what it's worth, if you go out on the field... And you don't have your kicker, you're gonna have problems? Yes, absolutely. If you go on the field, you don't have your quarterback, you're gonna have problems? Running backs, all the things. Some of y'all are like, you lost me at football. The point is, it's a team sport. Well, Lamb football's not in the Bible, you're right, but there are things that are in the Bible that we can talk about, right? God's word says so. God's word says that we're supposed to be connected and in community. And he talks about his church in terms of sheep and flocks. Now I'm going to stop here for a second and just tell you, you may be surprised to know that I know nothing about sheep. (laughs) I'm just going to tell you. I'm not a farmer. I was a military brat. Um, Didn't grow up anywhere near sheep, hogs, pigs, cows, none of it. None of that resonates with me at first blush, right? So my first question was, well, God, if you're talking about Your church in terms of sheep and flock, why? Why would you pick sheep? That seems like an interesting choice. Did some prayer, some research, and came across what I believe was a revelatory answer. God used the example of sheep in part because it was accessible to the writers and readers of the day. Sheep herding was a common way of life, right? Y'all know some famous um, uh, sheep herders or shepherds back in the day. Y'all can name some. Come on. It's second service. Let's go for it. David, King David, the king was a previous shepherd. Abraham, Moses, right? Lots of, Job, lots of people that we know were sheep herders or shepherds. And sheep was, were everywhere. So immediately when people heard the example, they didn't have to Google it, maybe like I did. What about sheep? They were like, oh, no, I get it. And it tuned their ears to a very particular experience and understanding. The reason why I wanted to start our discussion with that is because it's so cool that the God of the universe was thinking eternally. He wanted to speak a language that the people then understood. Fast forward a couple of thousand years, he knew you'd be here in this moment, hearing these words, and he wanted you to hear something too. So God used sheep. And what was he talking about? Why did he use that example? Well, sheep were accessible, as we've already discussed, but sheep were also valuable. They were literally a part of the currency. Wealth was measured in sheep. Y'all remember that description of Job? They were like, he's got $50 million in the bank. No, he had 800 jillion sheep, (laughs) right? That's how they counted it. Debts were paid in sheep. Sacrifices were made in sheep. Tithes and offerings were given in sheep. So sheep when the people heard that that illustration understood that the people understood that sheep were valuable. What else? He's, sheep are highly social, highly social animals that they thrive when they're in the flock. So modern day scientists have been able to show us that when sheep are separated from their flock, they have physical manifestations of anxiety. They actually don't do well when they're not with their flock. And the last thing that I'll mention here today, there are some others, but the last thing I'll talk about today is that sheep are prey animals. Some of y'all might be like, no, nah, I knew sheep were praying. No, not praying, P-R-A-Y. It's not that one. Sheep are prey animals, P-R-E-Y, which by definition means they have no natural defenses. The only way that they are safe is by their shepherd and by the flock. By the shepherd and by the flock. No talons, no venom, no... I don't know what this would do, actually, as I'm looking at it. I don't know that it's that helpful. By the shepherd and by their flock. That is where safety was rooted. So this is the backdrop against against which God is breathing life into these scriptures. Sheep are valuable, they're highly social, and they are dependent on their shepherds and their flock for protection. So what does God say then about sheep, specifically his sheep? Psalms 103 says, God made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. So you're not just a random sheep out there if you're in his pasture. Now, some of you, based off of your own experience, may have a very specific and deep understanding of what it means to be a sheep in his pasture. That may resonate with you in a very particular way, but some of us may not. I don't know. What does that mean? I mean, Tia, I'm no farmer either. I don't know about this sheep thing. I'm not convinced. Help me get there. And again, I'm glad you're asking because we're going to talk about it. Psalms 23, one of arguably the most uh, famous passages of Scripture in the Bible. I'm not going to put it on the screen screen because I do want you just to kind of think about it for a second. And many of us are very familiar with it, and I'll read some from the New Living Translation, and we're going to talk through the promises that are illustrated for us as God's sheep, right? Psalmist David wrote this passage. The Lord is my shepherd, and I... I shall not want. He lets me rest in green meadows. Well, what is God saying about his sheep in that instance? Provision. You're going to have what you need. The Lord is my shepherd, so I shall not want. I'm going to have my needs met. But over and above that, he lets me lie down in green pastures. Well, Why is that specifically meaningful in the context of sheep? What do sheep eat? Grass. So when you show up to these beautiful green pastures, it's not just a place of rest. It's a place of abundance. It's a place of more than enough. As far as your eye can see in these green rolling pastures, it's a place where prosperity lives so that you can be blessed to be a blessing. That's what God promises us. He says he leads me, behind, excuse me beside peaceful streams. Right? A lot of us can think about peace as, well, my kids are gone. And the house is quiet, and I just thank you, God, I just (laughs) for a nap in Jesus' name after church on Sunday. I'll be right there with you, but that's not what this is talking about, right? What the scripture here is talking about is that peace that passes all understanding. It's not just the idea of a quiet time. It's being able to tap into the peace of God when the world is going haywire around you. That's where the peace is, right, in the, in the eye of the storm. Literally, the world is upside down. Hell is breaking loose. But I can stand and say, it, you may not understand why I have peace, but I've got it. It's passing all of your natural and my natural understanding. That's what is on the, on the table for God's sheep. The scripture says he renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. We don't have to wonder. We don't have to guess. Oh, I have no idea what to do. No problem. Ask your shepherd. The scripture says that he's going to guide you. Should I go left? Should I go right? I don't know. Ask your shepherd and he'll tell you. He's going to lead you and guide you. The scripture says the steps of a righteous man are ordered by God. We don't have to guess. That's the promise for us when we're sheep in his pasture. And this is probably one of the even more famous passages of this scripture. Of this part of the text. Yea, though I walk through the shadow of the valley of death, I will fear no evil, for you are close to me. That tells us a couple of things. One, we're gonna be walking through some stuff. Raise your hand if you're a Christian and you've walked through some stuff. Raise your, you don't have to. I was gonna say raise your hand if you're not Christian, you to walk through some stuff, but that's not the point. <laughs> it's not a good line to draw. Listen. We're going to be walking through stuff. Scripture tells us it rains on the just and the unjust. We're all going to have to deal with stuff. But when you're in God's pasture, you don't have to be afraid. I don't have to be afraid when things are upside down and topsy-turvy because the Scripture says, my shepherd is with me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. We have protection and comfort from the Lord. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. When I read that scripture, I think about these battle lines drawn and the enemy is sitting over there. And you're not cowering and afraid and sitting and wondering. You're having a meal. Fast is broken, so maybe you're having a turkey leg. One of those big ones. Right? Right? eating in the presence of your enemy, having that feasting in the presence of your enemy demonstrates I expect to have, I may already have, I'm walking in victory as I have my turkey leg <laughs> in Jesus' name. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. This is a particularly important to a group of folks who are at The Purpose Church because anointing with oil in the scripture was a demonstration that you were being called to something. King David was anointed. The priests were anointed. You, according to this scripture, are being anointed when you're one of his sheep. I, they told me I was, I was not good for nothing. I, I was an accident. I shouldn't be here. I'm, I've messed up. I'm, I'm, I'm good for nothing. That's not what Psalms 23 says. Psalms 23 says, I am anointing your head with oil. Because you were made on purpose for a purpose. Amen. That's what we believe and that's what we are entitled to according to the word of God. My cup overflows with blessings. Surely your goodness And unfailing love will pursue me. One version of the scripture says chase me. One version of the scripture says follow me all the days of my life. And I will live in the house of the Lord forever. You know what that tells me is that today I can expect his blessings. Today I can expect his goodness. Today I can expect his provisions and into eternity. Your goodness is running after. It's running after me. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. That's not just a song, y'all, that's scripture. So when we're singing that and declaring that over our lives and to the Lord, we can do so knowing that this is what is on the table for his sheep. We get his provision, we get his protection, we get his prosperity. And that's a blessing. So that's what David said in Psalms about being a sheep. I'm super excited. But to be clear, I take my party wherever I go. So maybe, (laughs) maybe this next part will get you excited if you're not already. In John 10, and it's a a chunk of scripture from verse 11 through 29. We won't read all of it, but I've pulled some scriptures out where Jesus says, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. And the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. A hired hand runs away because he cares nothing for the sheep. Like when the wolves come, he's not invested. I am the good shepherd, and I know my sheep, and my sheep know me, and I lay down my life for them. They listen to my voice, and they follow me. And I will give them eternal life such that they will never perish. No one will be able to snatch my sheep from my hand. No one will be able to snatch my sheep from my hand. So what he's telling us here, I'm not fickle. I'm not sometimey. I'm not shady. P.S. Those are all 40-year-old words. I don't know any young words. Like, what is the word for my young folks in the room? Fickle, shady, sometimey. Okay, all right. (laughs) Let me tell you something. I love Colton because Colton's like, I don't know what fickle means. All right. Shady? We still use shady? Sketchy? Sketchy? Okay, so let's start from the top. I'm not fickle. (laughs) I'm not sometimey. I'm not shady. I'm not sketchy. I'm not flaky. I'm eternal. I'm eternal. So when you're in my hand, when you're in my hand, you can count on all the things that come with being a sheep in my field. And what an amazing thing to think about in that way. The scripture goes on to say in Matthew and Luke, he's the kind of shepherd that will leave the 99 to go after the, the one. The reckless love of God. Oh, it chases me down, fights till I'm found, leaves the 99. I didn't earn it. I don't deserve it. Yes! Come on, listen. Yes! The reckless love of God says, I'm going to come see about you. And whether your word is fickle, shady, sketchy, sometime, whatever your word is, I got you. I'm here for you. That's what it means to be a sheep in his pasture. So hopefully... At this point, whether you grew up on the farm or not, or only ever saw sheep in petting zoo, petting zoos, something is stirring in your belly. Okay, this sheep thing is sounding all right. I'm getting kind of excited. Sign me up, put me in. How can I do this? What can I do to be a part of this flock? And the answer is simple being in God's flock is an intentional and firm decision. It's intentional. It's on purpose. It's firm. It's not wavering, right? So when tomorrow comes or Sunday night comes and you're preparing for tomorrow, you lay your clothes out, you make sure everything is ready to go. Why? Because you're going to work. Work not optional. Some of y'all are like, actually, I'm not. Listen, I'm (laughs) thinking about a way to walk away for a long time. (laughs) And I'm feeling really good about this decision. For those of us who are for sure going to work tomorrow, what do you do? You prepare the night before because it's not optional. I know what is happening. I know what I need to be ready to do. That decision is intentional and it's firm, right? For those of us who were having that mindset last night, I'm going to church. So what do I do? I get my clothes out. We have the prep talk with the kids. Listen. (laughs) We're going to the 9 o'clock service. We're going to 9 o'clock, which means we need to leave at what time? We need to leave it, and then you need breakfast for, stop, focus, pay attention. (laughs) That is not how conversations go in my house at all. Right? It's that firm decision. So in this instance, that connectivity and that decision to be a part of his flock starts with the very first firm decision, right, is meeting the good shepherd. It's your decision to say, Lord, I don't even know you as Lord. That's what I hear the church people say. but, But Jesus, I want you in my heart. I want you to be Lord of my life. I want you to be shepherd of my heart. That's what I have a desire to do. And I don't understand all the details of it just yet, but I know that that's what I want. That's the first decision, right? After that, after that, the next step is making an intentional and firm decision to get connected to God's flock and his people. P.S., you're going to have an opportunity to meet the Lord, to ask him into your heart at the end of today's service. So go ahead and put that in your hip pocket. If you're sitting here right now going, I haven't done that yet, I'm not sure, the answer is yes and amen, I'll see you down here in just a few minutes. There's a place for you, and we're ready to have you join us in this flock. So for that next intentional and firm decision to get connected... How do we get connected and grow in God's flock? So glad you asked. You guys have the best questions. Small groups. Small groups. Come on. Whoop, whoop. Small groups are the lifeblood of our church. You hear us say it all the time. We are not a church that has small groups. We are a church of small groups. We are a church of small groups. The scripture tells us that community and relationships are a big old deal, right? So that means it's a big deal to us. Scripture says iron sharpens, right? That means there's got to be people working together in community. A threefold cord is not easily broken, right? That means we got to be intertwined and connected with each other. Scripture tells us that we shouldn't forsake the assembly of the saints, which is a fancy way of saying hang out with Christian people. So you can grow, and so they can grow. So it's all through the scriptures that we ought to be making intentional decisions to grow with each other. Because in God's flock, there are bennies. There are benefits to being in this connected group. There are are things that come along with being connected. And the first is, is that in God's flock, I am protected, and I am cared for. In God's flock, I am protected and cared for. In God's flock, living life in small groups and in meaningful relationships in community, I am protected and I am cared for. Because what did we learn about sheep? Their protection comes from two places the shepherd and the flock. The shepherd and the flock. There's safety in numbers. People are looking out for me, having my back when the chips are down, celebrating my wins when things are up. That makes me more confident, less anxious, less fearful. Remember, I can straighten my back when my flock is here and my shepherd is here. I can deal with the storms that life brings when I know that I'm in community because I don't have to do this thing by myself. And when is that important? When life be lifing. When work beats you down. Oh, no. Rick is the, sup- the shift supervisor. He's the worst. He's got it in for me. Sheila's going to be the one that's passing out the promotions or being responsible for how things are. Listen, you need to invite Sheila to church. That's right, Keith. We need Sheila to come. Now, I'm going to feel real bad if there's somebody in the room named Sheila. We love you, Sheila, wherever you are. I just picked a name. We love you so much. Because life be in, facing personal crises. How about when your family or your marriage is is strained, feeling like it's to the breaking point? I may or may not have said to my husband, I'm pretty sure we can take him to the fire department and leave him there. (laughs) And I have done the legal research. And if we put a note on his chest and identify that he doesn't have any allergies, they will not arrest us. I'm telling you, we can do this, and he said no, (laughs) which at the time I thought was really rude (laughs) because I was going through it. We were going through it, but community says you don't have to go through it alone, and gee whiz, just so you know, in that moment, probably about a week and a half, two weeks after that conversation, the Lord sent someone in the flock to come speak to us and deposit wisdom and knowledge in us that has revolutionized parenting in our home. Is that perfect? No. But was it transformational? Yes. That's what we're counting on the flock to do. When you're connected, you can rest knowing that somebody's got your back. In God's flock, we help each other. So we know that we're cared for and protected, but we also can get help. We need people who walk in when everybody else walks out. We need people who will speak godly truth with love. Now, hey, T, I know you've been talking about wanting to do better at work. But blowing off Sheila's suspenses because you don't like her, that's not it. Hey, Sam, I know you've been talking about wanting to have a healthy and productive marriage at home. But that thing that you're doing, saying however you're treating her, that's not it. Do we have people in our lives that can speak truth with love? The answer is yes. You know where you can find those people? In the flock. Hey, (laughs) great question. Excellent answer. We need people who can carry us and our burdens when we are weak. The scripture talks about us being responsible for bearing the infirmities of the weak. What does that mean? That means that if you look out over this this body of people, this gathering of people. There are going to be people who right now would say, hey, I'm flying high. I'm feeling good. A lot of things are lining up for me. I'm super excited about what God's doing in my life. Sis, boom, ba rah, rah, rah. And then there are going to be some people like, man, this has been a really tough season for me. I'm dealing with some things. I'm going through some things. And you know what God's intention is for us? For those people to connect. For the people who are strong to bear the infirmities of the weak. Why? Because it's not always going to be like that. At some point, you're going to be strong, and you're going to be sitting high, and you're going to be able to stand firm and feel confident about the things that God is doing for you, and then you can reach back and help the person that's also struggling in that moment. Now, Pastor Jesse, I'm going to ask for your help. You, we've been here before, sir. This is not uncommon. So bearing the infirmities of the weak, Right? requires proximity yes let's let's see an example can you can go down for me sir he's weak right he's weak he needs help getting up can I help him from here can I help him from here I got to be close I got to be close I might have to stick my arm in his armpit it's sweaty it's sweaty right I'm breathing on him he's breathing on me we're sharing space But this, thank you, sir. (laughs) That's what's required. You can't bear somebody's infirmities from way over here. And he's got to be willing to let me get close. He's got to be willing to be vulnerable and transparent and honest and say, I'm struggling. I'm dealing with some stuff. I'm really, and then I've got to be mature, rooted enough in God's word to be of help. I can't be an echo chamber that says, well, if she's getting on your nerves that bad, just pack your bags and leave. That's the devil. No. I'm just going to tell you. Right? Speaking godly truth with love, bearing the infirmities of the weak. We need people with refrigerator rights. So let me just ask, do you have people like that in your life? What does your flock look like? All of this, mind you, is about being closer to God. All of this is not just about having a social circle, right? Even though we know I'm an extrovert, so I love the people. It's not just about having people. It's about having people that are going to grow you, mature you, connect you to the Lord. That's what the church is for. That's what it means to be a sheep in God's flock. So there was a time a couple of years ago where in my professional space, uh, and in my career, I was checking all the boxes, doing all the right things, positioning myself for promotion. I had the right jobs and not just the right jobs, but I did excellent at those jobs. And I had a senior leader tell me, listen, I'm not concerned about this promotion. You got that in the bag. What I'm really looking forward is it towards is how I can shape you to be a leader of our organization in the long run. So I'm like, okay, that sounds great. I'm excited and doing all the things and working as unto the Lord and all of that. Well, promotion time came, but the promotion didn't come. And that was really, really hard for me. I was devastated because I've got this big reputation across my organization. The most senior person in my organization that you can work for worked down the hall for me. He was one of the ones that signed my paperwork. He wasn't the big boss way off in the distance. I'm up close. What does it say about me if I don't experience elevation in this moment, not just my own grief, but also now the embarrassment of carrying that around. It was hard. And my flock wrapped their arms around me. They prayed with me, they prayed for me, they cried with me, they cried for me. They lifted up my head and gave me strategic, wise, God-centered counsel about how to navigate this moment. And to be clear, it wasn't a day It wasn't a week, it wasn't a month, it wasn't a year. Three years, they stood with me. Disappointment after disappointment after disappointment, they stood with me. And at the point when it was a statistical impossibility, by all accounts, all the charts, demographics, everything that you could look at says, this is just not a reality for you anymore. Sorry, it's not going to happen. God did what he did, (laughs) and he came through. And then my flock celebrated with me. And they and they did the business of giving God the glory. That is what the flock is for. Well, praise God. I praise God for that. So 58 times in the Bible, the phrase one another is used. The Bible says that the sheep take care of each other. This is an important note because it's not just the shepherd. It's not just the person holding this mic. It's not just Jesus. The, the flock and the sheep take care of each other as well. The Bible uses the phrase one another, love one another, care for one another, help one another, encourage one another, support one another, pray for one another. And the way that we do that, the way that we demonstrate that call in the scripture that's listed 58 times is small groups. It's small groups. That's how we do that here. And so I am super excited today to tell you that our small group roster is live. It's live. Live today. You can go on right now and look at the small groups that are available. The leaders have been trained. They are equipped, and they are ready to go, and they are fired up. We got together at the church offices, the training center, uh, on Tuesday, we ate <laughs> fast-compliant food. Don't, don't do that. <laughs> I made a delicious brown rice, <laughs> bean mixture with some fire-roasted vegetables. It was delicious, right? We fellowshiped. We had a good time together. But you know what else we did? And perhaps the most important thing that we did was we prayed. So we put Post-it, these giant Post-its on the wall. Can you throw that graphic up there for me? <clears throat> And I asked them, I said, what does God put on your heart for his people? What is, he, what is he telling you that he wants to do? What do you want for his people during this season? And they all wrote them down and we stuck them up on the wall. And some people had multiple stickies and long stickies, and but these represent, if there's a visual representation of prayer, consider it this. And then we stood around the wall and we prayed. And people opened their mouths and declared things over you, you, people they haven't even met yet, but they know God is sending. And some of those prayers were that you would feel supported and believed in, that you would have a greater understanding of God. And that you would have a greater understanding of your purpose, that you would have a plan and develop a plan to get out of debt. That's one of the focuses of our small group, that there's a safe space for confession and healing, that you would have a spiritual growth, biblical knowledge, true relationships, develop allies, eat good naturally and spiritually. Their prayer was that you all would get connected and find answers to step out of your comfort zone and into community. They were praying, y'all. They were praying, and God heard them. God heard them. God heard us. I'm excited about what's happening. I'm excited about what God has for us. Because in Galatians 2, the scripture, excuse me, 6-2, the scripture says, share each other's problems and troubles, and in this way you obey the law of Christ. Well, what is the law of Christ? Love your neighbor as yourself. When you're in a small group and you pray for someone who's going through a tough time, that's a one another. When you encourage them, might just be a, a pat on the back, that's a one another. When you extend your generosity, that's a one another. And sometimes, you know, we have to we have to think outside of the box in terms of what generosity can mean. I got three boys, right? We are running through clothes and shoes and toys all the time. Sometimes that generosity is, I was going to take this otherwise in good condition stuff to goodwill but you know what you got a bunch of boys in your house too let me give this to you let me just love on you in a way that's meaningful a practical way that's meaningful sometimes that one another is I don't know what to say I'm just going to hold your hand and stand in agreement with you what you're praying for I'm praying with you this isn't transactional God doesn't do Santa Claus well if you're good then I will that's not the way it works Instead, the scripture says in 1 Thessalonians 5.11, encourage each other and give each other strength. What that means is when we do the one another's, it develops a deposit in us as well. I get strong and you get strong. And I get strong and you get strong. And I get strong and you get strong. Until we're walking around with our shoulders square, our feet secure, And we're not just standing happy in our stuff. We turn around and we get the person that needs our help the most. That is what you can expect when you're in God's pasture. That's what you can expect when you're plugged in as one of God's flock. Now, I do want to say this because I believe that there are people in this room that God has specifically spoken to about being a small group leader. Saved. You've done growth track. You've been to 5,100 million other small groups. Oh, this was a great small group. Yeah, that was really good. High five. You've been there. And what God is saying, it's your time. It's time for you to deposit. I want you to get in that cycle of reciprocity. I want you to pour into somebody else what you had poured into you. And If this isn't you, you can't fake it. I'm just telling you. But there are people in this room for whom God has said specifically in the past year, it's your time. Get off the couch. It's your time. If that's you, do it. Walk in faith. Submit your application. Let us build the group for you. And let's set up that place where somebody can come get the deliverance, freedom, growth, and all the things that God has for them. Now, you may have reasoned yourself out of it in the past. Well, my house isn't big enough. My kids are crazy. I don't feel, I don't feel holy enough. I just, I, I, stop that. If God told you, step out in faith because he'll give you what you need. He'll give you what you need. So we've got two closer questions that we want to end with as we're finishing up. Who's looking out for you? And who are you looking out for? And this is a critical question. Who's looking out for you and who are you looking out for? Who's in your flock? Is it just proximity? Or are you just hanging out with Sheila because she's in the break room? I'm committed now. We're already with Sheila. Sorry. Sorry. Right? Or are you rooted and planted in a healthy flock that's going to give you life? That's going to help you navigate those tough spaces? That's going to help you survive and thrive and have that overwhelming blessing that you can pass on to somebody else. So what are your steps today? Glad you asked again. You guys have great questions. Go look at the roster. Go look at the roster. What groups are available? What group is speaking to you? Once you look and see, sign up. Sign up and stay committed sign up and stay committed. Don't reason yourself out of what God has for you. Don't excuse yourself out of what God has for you. He wants you to be connected. This is a spiritual discipline. And I know some of you are like, but Tia, I don't do people like that. Copy all. I get it. Do it anyway. Because the scripture that we started with at the beginning told us, right, that if we're willing to do it, even though it might be tough, there will be a benefit, a blessing, and a harvest at the end. As the band is coming up, I wanna ask you to be prayerful, to get involved, to share your life in a real way, to know that if you're committed to doing this, it will, in fact, change your family and your life forever. This is a trans- transitional, transformational moment for you. This can be the moment that your life changes forever. This is the moment. And so now the question becomes, as the prayer team is coming down, you might be saying, gosh, whew, that sounds like a lot. This sounds really heavy. I'm just not sure. Well, guess what? We've got a cadre of prayer warriors down here who are willing to stand and agree with you for whatever you need from the Lord. You might be saying, listen, I'm not sure about all of this. I just need to hear God's voice, that's okay, come down. Let them pray with you. Let them pray with you as you're working through whatever issues might be an obstacle. You might say, hey, listen, for me, it's church hurt. It's relationship hurt. I don't, I'm not sure about these relationships because I've been hurt before. That's okay. Come pray with them about that too. Don't leave here without getting what you need, what you came for, the benefits of being a part of God's flock. Lord, I thank you for this time. I thank you for your people. I thank you, God, that you came to this place this morning to meet with your people. To touch their hearts, to touch their minds, to help them have their needs met. I thank you, God, that this is your system, this is your way of doing things, that it is your desire that we be connected to your people, that when the enemy is roaring around like a lion seeking whom he can devour, that the flock and the shepherd will step up and be there. And I thank you, God, that we can count on you for that. I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord, for the people in this room who are in desperate need of an encounter with you, for your presence, God. And I thank you that you said, I'm here. I'm here. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank you for listening to the Purpose Church Podcast. If God used this message to impact your life, Tell us your story by emailing thepurposechurch.com. Be sure to follow us on social media and check out our website at thepurposechurch.com to get connected and receive all the latest information.